Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. Awesome food bloggers. I wanted to let you know about something that we are working on developing right now. It is a new awesome way for you to get connected with other food bloggers and to help you feel connected in your food blogging journey. Sign up today to get exclusive details as well as a special launch discount. You are not going to want to miss out on this. So head over to eatblogtalk.com forward slash launch to stay in the loop as things unfold with this project. It's a really exciting project and opportunity, so I cannot wait to share more with you about it. Again, go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash launch. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast made for you, food bloggers seeking value for your businesses and your lives. I have Kristen Wood with me today from moonandspoonandyum.com, and we are going to talk about how to create a lot using very little. Kristen is the voice behind Moon and Spoon and Yum, a gluten-free vegetarian food blog. In the last year, Kristen has grown her blog from 30,000 monthly views to 250,000 monthly views, all with very limited equipment, resources, and expenses. All right, Kristen, I think all of our ears are perked and we're excited to hear about your journey in the last year. But before we dig in, give us a fun fact about yourself. Hi, Megan. 
Um, I once sold some belongings and spent a year traveling through Central and South America solo. And I would say that it is one of the greatest influences for my blog because spending that much time in open air markets and working with fresh ingredients daily just is just one of those experiences that I refer to often when creating in the kitchen. Wow. So how long were you there? I spent about three months in Costa Rica and then I traveled south from there through Panama to Colombia and then I spent three months in Ecuador and three months in Peru. I rented a house and I just cooked in the house a lot. And oh. it was just, um, yeah, <laughs> it was just something I had to do for myself. And it's worth it for me to sell things, to have those experiences, you know. So that's really courageous of you to do that and tackle such a project on your own. And that is like totally something that speaks to me because I like to do those like really big things, even if yes. people around me are like, you are nuts. Like they're worried yeah. about my safety or they're worried about my dad is always worried about me no matter what. And my, my yes, brother's same. always calling me like, you know, you're really freaking dad out. Like, and I don't even have to travel around the world. I'm like, oh my gosh, just let me live. <laughs> yes. No, I'm so, big on life experiences and making yeah. the most of it all here. <laughs> so have you written about any of those experiences that you had? No, and I actually, that's, I kind of regret not starting a blog then. <laughs> I probably would yeah. have been enjoyable, but it didn't really even occur to me. You but. should write a book or something because yeah. I'm sure you <laughs> gathered like tons of just life experiences and food experiences and all yes. sorts of things that, oh, great. I love that so much. Um, okay, so you're here to talk about your growth in the past year and how you've made that happen using very little and I think this is very intriguing for food bloggers to hear because we all love those stories instead of like, you know, I, I spent 15 years and million dollars to grow my business. We want to hear mm -hmm. the stories that are like, hey, I did this really quickly in a little amount of time with little resources. Mm -hmm. So you've obviously figured out how to grow your blog quickly. And it's always impressive to see this. You found this growth by using little, which is awesome. So talk to us about how to get started with what we have and where we're at? Well, I'm kind of a big believer that where there's a will, there's a way. So I kind of just set my mind to it all. And I found that kind of having limited resources kind of forces you to be creative about things. It kind of forces you to make things happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually saw it as, you know, an advantage <laughs> at the time because I was really forced to just make things happen however I had to. and. I started out with free photo editing software, free keyword research tools. I just found everything I could that was free. <laughs> you know, there's a, yeah. there's a lot out there. You can just do a simple Google search for absolutely anything and find so much. And I also found a lot of the Facebook groups, Food Blogger Central Facebook group, for instance, where you can just search SEO, for instance, and find just a plethora of information. And I think we've all heard about Casey Markey kind of SEO guru. Yeah. He gives out lots of information for free. So I just started paying attention to what people were saying. And you can learn a lot from other food bloggers who share their own success stories and say, hey, this works. Niche down, you know, use WordPress, mm -hmm. which I wish I had done that sooner. <laughs> you know, oh, same. All I'm with you. <laughs> helps. You know, I was kind of stubborn too because it was a it was a hard journey too. I mean, it was rocky because I kind of made a lot of wrong decisions starting out by starting on Weebly and and Squarespace. I was kind of stubborn and kind of didn't want to follow the crowd and just do my own thing. But, you know, yeah. I, I've now learned that, yeah, there's something to be said for listening to what works for other people. Oh, like you mentioned, there are a lot of really smart people out there contributing to the forums and the groups. 
And like, if you just listen to what they're saying, like truly just stop and listen and realize that this is free, super valuable information. Yes, exactly. You can take away so much. And that's why podcasts are huge because, oh my gosh, podcasts are free. You can listen like to every single episode and probably use all of the information to take your business to a whole new level. Oh, definitely. And this podcast has helped me immensely as well. Oh, good. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a big inspiration. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I was it's actually a lot of work though. You have to apply what you're learning, you know? It is oh, exactly. Work, though. You don't want to, I don't want to leave that out. <laughs> right. You can't just read the information or listen to the information and then just assume it's going to like magically absorb into your business. It's not going to happen. You do actually have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And you have to retain it. Like you have to really understand because I know there was a time when I was like reading through the forums a couple of years ago and I was, I was seeing it, but I really wasn't absorbing it. I wasn't mm-hmm. like truly getting it or I wasn't wanting to do it or maybe both. But now I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, anything I see that's valuable, especially if it's free, like you said, I am going to take it and I'm going to truly just sit with it, learn it and apply it to my business. So you do have to do the work. Yes, definitely. And I think it's important to, you know, make sure you're not wasting time and things that aren't really bringing value to your business or your blog. It's about Mm. learning what works and then following that and keeping on doing it. Um, If I find myself kind of mindlessly scrolling on social media, I stop and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't adding any value to anything. I need to just, you know, (laughs) get to work, get to the list. (laughs) And not just like social media scrolling, but also the projects that you take on, because I used to take on projects that were like, I mean, looking back, they were totally fruitless and lacking value. But at the time, (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking, but I always wonder like, what was I thinking then? But I thought somehow that I was doing something good and productive and valuable, but I don't know, like, how do you differentiate what's valuable and what's not, especially if you're not in that place where you're like, okay, I know exactly what to do that's going to bring value. What if someone is just kind of on the fence? Like, I don't know what's going to bring value. What do you think about how people differentiate that or like weed out the not valuable things? Well, I think that's where paying attention to what other successful bloggers are doing kind of helps a bit too. I think it's important to see that, you know, you can always update old content, for instance. That's something that's always there that you can always work on. I feel like there's always something to improve on your own website. You don't necessarily have to start a new project, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, it's just, you can just go through things and, and update them and improve them and pay attention to what people are saying and what they're saying works for them and kind of follow that if you're lacking guidance. And also for me, one little thing that helps me is if I'm feeling really burned out and I just don't really have any direction, then I do a roundup post. Mm. I find that that's something that kind of keeps things going. And I actually find some inspiration just through doing that post. It's nice to visit other blogs and interact with other bloggers and see what's going on there. And I actually find those to be some of my most successful posts as well. Oh, that's great. And that can also lead to inspiration for other projects I found too. Like going through my old content, like you mentioned, is kind of a fallback for a lot of us because we have all that really old stuff just sitting around. Mm -hmm. And I found that when I go through some of that stuff, I'm actually like, oh, this is a topic I'd really like to write more on. So I think just doing one little thing can lead to other things that are oh, definitely. valuable too. Yes. <laughs> or a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, when you compile roundup posts, do you use other people's content mixed in with your own or do you do some yes, that are exactly. just you? Okay. 
I do. And I just find that it's a great way to network with other bloggers. And sometimes, you know, they return the favor by including you in one of their own roundup posts. And it's a good way to visit other blogs. And sometimes you find inspiration in just how they format their posts or their photography or, you know, what their blog looks like. You can learn a lot just by doing that. And it kind of helps open things back up if you're kind of feeling still. Yeah. And I think I always say that going to other blogs is really good for all of us because we get so stuck on our own blogs that we're like, it's hard to venture out. So creating roundups is a really good way to kind of force yourself out Mm -hmm. to see what other people are doing, not for like comparison's sake at all, but just to see what's going on in the world of blogging. Maybe there's like a different header or something that's really cool. So Mm -hmm. I, I love when I force myself to stop and go look at other people's websites. Yes. And it's nice to feel like you're a reader for a little while, you know, kind of get that perspective. You feel more normal somehow. Like I'm a normal human. I am not a crazy blogger. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about, you had in your notes about like working smarter and not harder. And I love that because we all can work so hard and we can get into that rut of just like nonstop, go, go, go. So tell us some ways that we can work a little bit smarter instead of harder. Okay. Well, I think we covered a little bit of it just as far as like paying attention to what works for others, you know, and what works for yourself. I think it's important to see, like, look at your own most successful posts and see what are people responding to? What is the format like? What are the images like? What are your Pinterest pins like, your successful Pinterest pins? And kind of try to duplicate that and see what happens, you know, kind of try to, it's good to take that as a lead. I also think, like, I used to spend so much time, like, submitting my recipes to the recipe sharing sites like Food Locker and doing all these little tasks that really weren't leading anywhere or, you know, doing a product review just for a product or not really valuing myself and not charging as much as I could have for sponsor posts that weren't even going to bring me traffic traffic anyways, you know, and just spending my wills. So I've just learned along the way that it's, important to step back and just ask if this task is valuable for the blog, you know, just um, (laughs) don't spend your wills working on things that aren't really going to get you anywhere. Focus on what really works, like bringing in Google traffic, focus on SEO, focus on Pinterest and making lots of new pins, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think the subtitle of my blogging journey for the first eight years, which is really embarrassing, it should be like, doing a lot for very little because I Mm -hmm. did so much work. I mean, I talk about this all the time, but I was working all the time, nights, weekends, and really I had nothing to show for it besides a really killer Pinterest following. Literally, that was it. I had no traffic coming from Google. I had like nothing else, no Facebook traffic, Instagram. I just started recently. Um, so yeah, I mean, for yeah, it's just, so easy to do that. I've been there. I know, yeah. and it's really frustrating to look back. But at the same time, I tell myself like that was my story for whatever reason. That was just my story, and this is my story, and I have to be okay with that. But it's still kind of frustrating to like, I don't know, just wrap my head around the fact that I did so much hard work and I don't even know what I, know. I was working for. <laughs> oh, I so know I th- it. I think we're in the same boat with that. We've had similar journeys and I know you were on Squarespace. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I was too for a very, I mean, up until January of this year. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that I wish I would have never been there (laughs) in the first place, but I too was really stubborn and I hung on and I don't even really know why. Like if someone were to ask me why, I wouldn't 
have an answer. I, I, know, I, don't, I don't know. I was just like <laughs> hanging on. I was really hopeful that I wouldn't have to change platforms with 1000 recipes. You know, it was just more of a hassle, I think. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad I changed. And there is such value in numbers. Like everyone is on WordPress for a reason. So oh, yes. And it's probably just, a good idea to be there too. <laughs> oh yeah. And no, everything is just so much more efficient on WordPress. Oh, like my gosh. I know, I'm sure you know what it's like, but on Squarespace, I was entering codes manually in every post. Yeah. I was hours Same. hours just to get yeah. one post out. And I don't know why I was doing that. <laughs> well, the rest, they don't have a recipe card. So no, yeah, manually putting yeah. in recipe and the people who are on Squarespace still are they're going through such great lengths to get like the proper markup, like the schema. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think they're, they have the proper markup even still, but there's like this, I mean, multi-step process for creating a code to put yeah. on your site. And now it's like, oh my gosh, it is so, isn't it just a dream? I know. It's I like, couldn't even believe what, how quick and easy it was <laughs> when I first entered a recipe into a recipe plugin on WordPress. I, <laughs> same. <laughs> Yeah. And Yoast. And I mean, there's, we could probably have a whole separate discussion on that, but I'm with you. It's just like, yeah, one of those things that you have to, you have to look at the bigger picture and understand that people are doing this for a reason and that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) There are smarter ways to do things and you're not going to get a big pat on the back for working harder if it's not smart work, if you're not putting in like mind power. So Let's talk about Pinterest. Um, what has worked well for you in the past year to grow your Pinterest account? Well, the whole creating new pins thing definitely works. I'm sure you've heard about that. Yeah. I mean, just um, I find when I take the time to create a bunch of pins that my traffic really goes up. Um, but I don't always put the time and energy into it that I need to. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot you of know, work. I, I'd like to hire someone to do that eventually. <laughs> yeah. But um, but it does work. The more new pins you make, the more traffic you'll get. I find also pinning your videos, if you create video content, to be helpful. And I do about 50% of my own pins, 50% of others' pins. I've always done that 50-50 thing with Pinterest. Okay. And um, I have mixed feelings about Tellwin. The first time I tried Tellwin, my traffic tanked, so I stopped using it. And I recently signed up for it again, and it seems to be going okay, but I'm a little nervous about it. (laughs) But I did it because I absolutely just need to schedule things out. I was spending too much time manually pinning. And you can get a long ways with manual pinning. I mean, it does work as well, but... um, but yeah, I find tribes to be really useful. That's what I like most yeah. about Tellwind. I think that helps with getting your content out there initially. I think that's what sells a lot of bloggers is the tribes feature. I mean, it's valuable to get those pins scheduled that you don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence too right now about Tailwind. So I don't know if I can contribute. I don't want to say anything bad, but yeah. I'm just like a little bit frustrated with it because it's not cheap. And I schedule my Instagram through there too. So I pay, I think you pay this like double if you okay. do that. And so just recently I got billed for my annual billing cycle and I was like, wow, that, that's a really big chunk of money. Is yes, I, so I'm kind of questioning that too. And I've had it for quite a number of years, but I don't know. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm on the fence, but I wanted to ask you about pins. So if you create a new pin, say for an old or a new post, how many of those do you create about weekly? And how do you circulate those? Do you have a strategy for it? 
Well, starting out, when I create a post, I usually create two pins for the post. I attach one is hidden. And I do interval pinning. Like I, I schedule that one out with about two to five day interval you know, time period between pins. And then I start the second pin when that last pin ends, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, when I'm updating old content, I create one or two pins each time I update an old post and schedule those out the same way. And then every day I try to just look at what's bringing me traffic currently, what's popular at the moment or in season. And then I create pins for those posts, just a few pins, each day, new pins each day for old posts seem to be applicable to the time. Oh, that's a great strategy. Have you ever tested with uploading directly to Pinterest as opposed to pinning from your website? I do that. I do that currently. Um, I do a mix of everything. I'll upload some to Telens, some to Pinterest, and pin directly from my site as well. I just try to mix it up. And then I also go in and manually pin from the app, manually pin from the desktop. And I just try to be involved as an active user. I think Pinterest likes that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I also, you know, pin to boards that aren't even food related. I just keep a very active account. Do you find that any one method produces more traction? Well, for me, group boards seem to work well for me. I know people have been on the fence about that, kind of think that maybe mm -hmm. personal boards do better. But for me, group boards have always worked well for me. Group boards with a lot of followers seem to bring me a lot of Interesting. Traffic. So mm -hmm. your own group boards or others' group boards? Others that I've joined, yes. So I can also recommend joining the Facebook groups for, I think it's like Pinterest group board requests yeah. is one. Okay. And you can find lots of boards in your niche and also advertise your own boards. And that's a good way to get relevant pinners for your own boards and even gain followers that way as well. Because you know, when they join your board, they're following that board as well. So have you noticed a huge increase in Pinterest uh, likes since you've really grown your blog in the past year? And how does that compare to other platforms? Like have you seen one platform grow more than the other? Well, Pinterest has always been my strong game for some reason. From the very beginning, Pinterest used to be my biggest traffic driver. But once I started doing SEO, they're kind of neck and neck now. But I don't know what really got it off on the right foot, but it's always just kind of been the easier platform for mm -hmm. me. And maybe because I'm a very, maybe it just fits because I'm a very visual person and I take lots of photos and I pin lots of photos. I don't just pin the long pins. I also mm -hmm. pin the photos from my posts. And yeah, I don't know. I think I just, um, it's something I've always been very active with. Facebook does all right for me, but gosh, I, you know, Instagram, I don't even know what to do there. It's just <laughs> growing and I like the platform, but you know, I, I'm not going to waste my time. I, I just kind of stopped wasting my time on it too much because it doesn't bring website traffic. You know, I like it, yeah. but I would like to get to 10,000 followers just so I can have the swipe up feature, you know, yeah. that would be handy. But outside of that, I just, it, I don't really do well with it. <laughs> Wow, we have very similar journeys. So Pinterest for me too, I just, I don't, I didn't even try, but I just nailed it right away. Somehow mm -hmm. I think too, I'm just a really visual person and I would experiment with a lot of different images and like text mm -hmm. overlays and it just clicked. Like Pinterest literally like has paid for so much for my family because yeah. that was the majority of my traffic for many, many years. And I feel the same way about Instagram. I like it. I love the platform, mm -hmm. but I just like, I cannot figure out how to grow my <laughs> following. I mean, good Lord, it's been so many years and it's kind of embarrassing, but you know what? Yeah. I like it for what it is. I love the stories feature. 
I love getting to know people on there. I mm-hmm. think there's value in like the community part of Instagram. Yes. I enjoy but interacting with other bloggers there. Yeah. And I've gotten to know quite a few bloggers there too. Yeah. But as far as like, yeah, I mean, it's not a web traffic driver and it definitely serves its purpose. So I am with you. You have to, I feel like you have to be in there a lot and really like giving it, it's like a needy best friend. Like if you want me to give you love back, you have got to dedicate everything to me. But if you don't do that, then you really don't seem to gain much traction. And I know there are those people that are like magical and they can go in there and just oh, like, I know. <laughs> wave their magic wands and they have like 10,000 followers all of a sudden but that is not me. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is I'm not actually like a super social person. And I think that might be part of it because I'm kind of a private person. I'm not interested in putting my entire life out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that people really appeal to that. You know, they really like yeah. that. So I think that's part of why I haven't grown as much as I would like. <laughs> like yeah, that's a good point because I go through seasons where I'm like, okay with it. Like I'm feeling good this week. And then I have weeks where I'm like, there's no way I would say anything on Instagram this week. But then there are people who are just always okay with it. And that's fine. I mean, that's great. But they seem to be the ones that really do find success there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, totally with you. So we talked about some of this a little bit, but give us other ways that you grew your blog. So you moved from Squarespace to WordPress. You just started listening in a little bit more and doing things that the really smart, successful people were doing. What else did you do on your blog to grow it as far as like workflow, anything within your posts? Share with us everything you know about that. Well, I finally started incorporating proper headings and posts you know, breaking the post down instead of just writing a little blurb. My post used to be quite short. So I learned how to write more, write for the user, think about the user, think about what questions they may have, including questions and answers, tips and tricks, substitutions, including process shots and starting to do video. All of those things really, you know, started to help things take off. Yeah. And I really, I was hesitant about starting with video because I don't, my DSLR is quite old and it doesn't have video capabilities and I put it off, but I finally just got started with my phone. It's not the best quality, Mm. but you know, you just got to get started sometimes. (laughs) I love that you did that. I think that's, that shows just like determination because a lot of people get hung up on that. Like, I don't have a great camera with video, so I can't start. And that's kind of an excuse people use, Exactly. but you've got a phone and most phones produce really great video. So Mm -hmm. I love that you did that. Yeah, it made a big difference too, I think. <laughs> so how many videos did you do to start? And when did, did you just start that like a year ago? Or when did you start video? And how aggressively did you pursue that? See, it was only probably about six months ago that I really okay. started doing video. I just started with the current post I was working on and just set it up. I just ordered a cheap little iPhone tripod, you know, yeah. and set it up and once I started doing it, I was like, wow, this is way easier than I anticipated. Another one of those things where I'm like, why did I wait so long? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I use the Premier Rush app. It's, oh. uh, I think it's $9.99 a month. It's cheaper than some of the other video editing options out there. It's like a quick version of Premiere Pro that you can use on your phone or desktop. And it has everything you need just for food blogging videos. That's awesome. So really intuitive and I can do it on my phone rather quickly. and I love it. Oh, I didn't even know that that existed. Say the name of it again. I'm going to write it down. Premier Rush. Okay. That's really good to know. So it sounds like you're just like all over things that are 
you know, at your fingertips. You don't need to spend a million dollars for a brand new photo editing package, a video editing package. You're just like, okay, the resources are there. Let's use what's affordable or what's free. And I love that perspective that you have because food blogging, as you know, can get really expensive. And a lot of people that you ask their opinions on, they'll be like, well, this really expensive DSLR, you need all the lighting, you need this massive lens, you know, like you can get so caught up in the money and the costs. So I love that you have that, just a different approach to it that I think is really unique for the food blogging space. Well, thank you. And I think that there's an audience for everyone. I think it's, there's room for everyone. You'll find people that respond to what you're doing. I totally agree. And you mentioned earlier that you used a keyword research tool that was, did you say it was affordable or free? Well, I started out using the keywords everywhere Chrome extension and they only recently made it a paid extension, but it was free back when I was using it. And it's very useful. I think it's still very affordable. I think you spend like $10 for like 100,000 credits or something and that lasts you like months. So it's still mm-hmm. very affordable, but that worked great for me. I recently signed up for Key Search. And if you search around online, you can find discount codes for that for your plan. And I think I pay like $11 a month for that right now. Oh my gosh, that's so much cheaper than what I pay for SEMrush. Yeah, that's what I do. I've learned to just look for discount codes for anything I'm interested in too. I just search. I love it. (laughs) But yeah, I love key search. I think it's a great way to just type in an idea you have and find other ideas as well. Yeah. Lead you on this trail of finding good content to use. So let me ask you this. So in SEMrush, there's this one feature that I just love so much so it's a content template. So I can type in, type my post inside the template and it gives me all the information. So it tells me kind of like how I rank with SEO, how I rank with readability, how many words approximately I need within the post, which keywords I should include in my post. Is there anything like that that you found that resembles what I just said or not? No, not quite. I mean, I've heard, I think there are, Neil Patel has some tools. I know that people have mixed feelings about him and stuff, but yeah, um, I love his I know content. that I know lots of. I have a few food blogging friends that use their his Uber Suggest and a lot of. He has quite a few free tools out there that might do something similar. He does. Okay, I'm. I use a lot of his other tools, but I haven't seen anything like that. But I'm now going to research that because he produces a lot of great stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. No, he's, he's always a, coming out with new things. <laughs> I know he's a super successful, smart dude. So I'll look into that. Okay. So as far as your blog, what else do you have? Is there anything else that you learned that you tapped into that just really helped you to grow? I think for the longest time, I I worked on a lot of creative posts, just whatever I was inspired by. So actually giving some thought to the content I'm creating has helped a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, like what dietary guidelines does my audience follow? What do they want? What are they responding to? just kind of going back to some of the basics as well. Some of the classic recipes have been done a million times, but your audience wants to see your version of that sometimes (laughs) too. Yeah. So I think just really giving more thought to what I'm creating. I still create what I want and I do keyword research around that, but I still do my wacky creative posts that I know no one's going to be searching for because I have to do that for myself, but just being more thoughtful, (laughs) taking more thoughtful approach to content creation. And going back to knowing your audience, I think this is something that I missed for a really long time. And now I'm finally to the point where I'm like, okay, I know 
who that person is and I'm creating for them. And yes, I can do the more wild, wacky, creative posts occasionally that just sing to me and nobody else. But for the most part, we need to create for our audience. So figuring out who that person is, is so important. And you can think it's like an insignificant part of the whole journey, but it is so important. Do you agree with that? I agree. (laughs) I know it seems so easy, but it's not. I mean, unless you really have to be at the place where you get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can hear it a million times and be like, okay, okay, okay. But you have to just absorb that and be like, okay, I, you really do need to know who your audience is. That is the key. It's like the basis for everything. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know. I th- I feel like we've touched on a lot. Okay, so Pinterest we touched on. We touched on your blog and how you grew there, tapping into that audience. Let's talk a little bit about blogging as a mom or a dad or parent because that is a challenge for a lot of us, especially during the last handful of months. We've had to keep our businesses running and we have kids at home who were in school and who are no longer in school. So that is a big challenge. So how do we keep growing our blogs and businesses if we have small kids around us? Well, I'm definitely not perfect at this. <laughs> you know, it's definitely a crazy experience working at home with kids around. But, you know, I try to view it from a gratitude perspective of being grateful that I can do this work at home and earn money at home and still spend time with my children. But every little thing I've done in my blog has been done with a kid in the background in one form or another, whether I was breastfeeding while writing a post or they were sticking their hands in my shots. You know, <laughs> I just It's important to try to include them in the places that you can include them. Like I include them when I'm baking something. They're the best little taste testers because they're generally picky. If mm. they like something, you know, I take that as the best compliment you can receive. But you just have to let go when you need to let go. When they need your attention, that's the most important thing. So I definitely put them first, of course, they're my kids. But you just have to learn to adapt with that. You know, you have to learn to just work in little spurts. And for me, I stay up way too late. I have to. That's the only way I can get stuff done. You know, I, after they go to sleep, I stay up and I work. And that's when I get the bulk of my work done. And for me, it's worth it. It's a worthy sacrifice because I get to work from home doing something I love and I get to spend time with them. So I stay up way too late and I incorporate them where I can, I would have to say. (laughs) No, that's a very smart strategy. And I think we all need to find those times that just work and really tap into them and utilize them. Yeah, make the most of them. Yeah, you do. You've, I mean, literally, if you're a parent, you know this, you've got to make the most of every minute that you can work that is like productive in any Mm -hmm. way. And that forces you to do what's most useful for your life. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Right. No, it's not like, don't use that time to go write emails that you could write at a time when you're not yep. 100%. Exactly. So I've learned this too, is just like, when I have those times, look at my to-do list and I find those things that I need to be at full capacity for. And those are the things I need to do and I don't let myself do anything else. Yes. Yeah. I do something similar. Yeah. Like wasting your time on things that don't need your best is just completely worthless. But again, it's like you have to learn that. You have to live it in order to learn it and really mm-hmm. absorb it. You have it. to train yourself. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do. And I love what you said about gratitude and just framing your life and your days with gratitude. And somehow that just helps, doesn't it? Oh, yes, definitely. And that applies to every part of life, I think. Yeah. I'm oh, having agreed. a hard time in any way. I just try to 
pull back and count my blessings. And I realized because they're that always there. I'm doing is really, I'm really lucky, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, I always think with this quarantine, I thought the whole time, okay, I could be one of those people who had to be going into work and what in the world would I do with my boys? What would I, where would they be? Because my mm -hmm. husband's had to work too. So yeah, I've tried to frame that as well. Like I am so grateful, even if I got nothing done today <laughs> on mm -hmm. my to-do list, at least I'm here with them and I can do that and I can do what I'm loving, like you said, Kristen, and just enjoying what I'm producing. Oh, definitely. And I think I shared this. I didn't really share this on the podcast, but you know, I started out with my blog in a studio apartment. We were in really tight quarters with our kids. We were really struggling financially, and now we've been able to move in a larger place, and I'm able to invest in the blog a little bit. And I just share that so people feel inspired. They mm -hmm. can big strides with this food blogging deal, and that they can make their dreams come true. <laughs> oh, I love that. There really are like plentiful avenues in food blogging to make money if you're looking to do that, if you're looking to increase your revenue in different ways. I mean, even just like helping other people produce videos or writing for other people or, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there. if you just sit and think a little bit, there are so many ways that you can bring in a little bit more. If yes. And I should add, even if you don't have, you know, a lot of page views, you can still find companies that are willing to work with you on sponsored posts and stuff. I, it's another thing yeah. I wanted to add is that don't be afraid to reach out and ask yeah. about working with people. Don't be afraid to reach out to other bloggers and ask for help. It's a really friendly community. Totally agree. Well, your blog growth is very inspiring. Your numbers say a lot. I mean, 30,000 page views a month to 250 Mm -hmm. monthly within a year is really great. And it just seems like you're finding those things that speak to you and you're tapping into the right things. You're working on the things that matter, that bring your business value and on not just one platform, but different platforms. So I love that. This is such a great story. Is there anything that you feel like we should talk about before we start saying goodbye that would be beneficial or helpful for food bloggers who are just ready to take that next step and grow their traffic, whether it's on their blog or social media, what advice do you have for them? Just start where you are with what you have and try to enjoy the process. I think the journey is very important. I think you learn a lot along the way and not knowing how it will unfold is part of the fun. And when you align with your passions and tap into your gut instincts, a certain kind of magic begins to happen. I feel like you and I would be very fast friends, Kristen. Everything you say, I'm like, okay, yes, yes, amen. <laughs> Likewise. Oh, awesome. This was so great. And I just really appreciate you being here today. And well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was such a fun discussion. And I'm really glad that you've seen such success in the past year. And I wish that you have like a million more visitors by next year monthly you're gonna have like three million page views a month next oh, year this so time <laughs> <laughs> well thank you again for being here and before you go share with us either a favorite quote or words of inspiration that you have for food bloggers beyond what you've already shared i recently came across a quote by marcus aurelius that said confine yourself to the present and i like that because i think that's where a lot of the magic happens i think if you concern yourself too much with the future <laughs> and where you're trying to go mm. but sometimes you kind of lose sight of what's important and you have to live the journey you have to go through all of the steps and learn things for yourself and 
for me, if I plan too far ahead with things, they don't really work out the way I want them to. When I tap into what's current, you know, what's working right now, what, what are people uh, into right now? What, you know, I just being present, being very present with the process, I think is, is really important. That applies to not just blogging, but just life, right? When you can yes. be more in tune and more in touch with what is directly around you, I feel like the happier you are, just mm-hmm. the more successful you are, like everything good can come from that. But it's so easy as a blogger to be like, well, where do I need to be in striving for that next thing or that next project? So to actually like sit and make yourself be in the present is not easy, but it is so rewarding if you can do that. Yes, it's very important. <laughs> yes, very yeah. important too. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. So we're going to put together a show notes page for you, Kristen, and anyone who wants to go see that can find it at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Kristen Wood. Kristen, tell my listeners the best place they can find you online. At moonandspoonandyum.com. And if you feel like, give me a visit on Instagram at moonandspoonandyum with dots in between each word. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I would appreciate that support there. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you again, Kristen, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.